the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. On October 20th of 1991, the Andrea Gale, a 72-foot-long commercial fishing boat, left Gloucester, Massachusetts, headed for the North Atlantic. Her seasoned crew of six was departing on what should have been a routine fishing trip. It would be their last voyage. The Andrea Gale had the misfortune of encountering a diminishing hurricane by the name of Grace. Hurricane Grace, however, quickly reorganized when the strong cold front and high-pressure system converged to create what we now know as the perfect storm. That perfect storm produced waves 10 stories high. The water pressure was measured at six tons per cubic foot. Her moisture brands dumped 10 inches of wet far snow as far inland as my house in Pittsburgh. And the storm had peak winds registered at 125 miles per hour. The little Andrea Gale never had a chance when she encountered the perfect storm. More than 2,000 years earlier, on the Sea of Galilee, the first perfect storm occurred. Not because of its strength, but because of the important lesson that it teaches us. That first perfect storm taught the disciples and is still teaching us today how to navigate through the perfect and imperfect storms of our lives. And let's face it. Into every life, storms are sure to come. <clears throat> My granny used to say, the sun won't shine on the same dogs behind every day. <laughs> you have to be prepared to manage the storms in your life. So when a combination of circumstances converges to form a perfect storm around you, what should we do? Well, we should do what we learn in this text today if we want to safely get to the other side in the journey. I'm going to ask you to follow along with me on the screens behind me, and they're fairly difficult to see, but try to, try to track with me today. We're going to go verse by verse, beginning at the 35th verse. On the same day when evening had come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. Well, with those words right there, friends, Jesus clearly defined the charted course before them that night. Those words were not a suggestion. They were a prophecy and a promise. When Jesus said, let us cross over to the other side, neither hell nor high water was going to stop them from arriving on the other side that night. Because with Jesus, any and every promise is a guarantee. I remember hearing a story one time about an elderly woman who lived with one of her grown sons and his wife. The elderly woman loved to sit in this rocking chair and read her Bible. And she often would talk about all the promises that she's seen God deliver in her life in the Scriptures. Well, one day the woman peacefully crossed over to the other side with her old Bible still on her lap. 
And that Bible became a family heirloom. Sometime later, his son and his wife began reading the old Bible. And they began to notice in the margins the letters T and P beside many of God's promises. And they couldn't find out or figure out what T and P stood for. But one day in the margin, they saw two words, tried and proven. T and P in her Bible stood for the tried and proven promises of Jesus. Folks, the promises of Jesus are tried and proven. He will safely take us to the other side in life's storms if we will simply trust in him. When the storms of life arise, we have to trust in Jesus' promises. This past week, with this church filled with children who earned BPS, that was one of the lines that we taught them. Trust in Jesus. And if they walked out of here this week with nothing less than that, then they're on the right course in life. Many of us learn that as kids also. But as we grow up, we tend to forget. And in time, we begin to rely more on our own abilities and the abilities of those around us. We must always remember to trust in Jesus. Let's pick it back up at line at verse 36. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. And the other boats were with them. Mark adds a little interesting detail right there that the other gospel writers don't capture. He tells us that there were other boats with them in the storm. In other words, there was a little flotilla that was crossing over the lake that night when the perfect storm came upon them. But there's one other major difference between the disciples' boat that night and the other boats in the storm. And that is simply that Jesus was in the disciples' boat. Folks, when you give your heart to Jesus... He gets into the vessel of your life. And that's where we want him to be. And once he gets into your boat, your boat will be equipped to handle the storms in this life. And if you haven't put him in your boat or your vessel by this point, then I would encourage you to see me or someone on this prayer team today and let's get in a place where we can navigate the challenges and storms of this life. Let's go back to verse 37, pick it up there. We read here that once they cast off, it tells us, and a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. Well, you know, that's kind of an interesting verse right there. They just get in the boat, and all of a sudden, this storm blows up around them. And, of course, there's probably a couple of good explanations for that. One, of course, is, is scientific. The other one is spiritual. The science behind it is, you see, the Sea of Galilee was about 680 feet below sea level. And cold air descending from the mountains would collide with the warm air over the lake and quickly form violent storms. And it was that combination of circumstances which would produce massive storms. In this case, a perfect storm. And isn't that how it kind of always is in our own lives as well? We're kind of sailing along on a smooth lake of tranquility, and then out of nowhere... We get a phone call, or we get a text message, or we have a bad doctor visit, or a life event occurs, and all of a sudden, we're cast into a storm. 
But that night, God brought about the storm. You see, Jesus knew something the disciples didn't know that night. He knew the storm was coming. Because nothing ever takes Jesus by surprise. In fact, he was the one who said, let us go across to the other side. And you kind of see where I'm going with that. It was Jesus, so to speak, that leads them in to this learning moment in this storm. Many people around us today think when storms come, they've done something wrong. And oftentimes that is the case. We can create storms in our lives. But it wasn't the case here today. Jesus' disciples were being obedient. In fact, they were doing exactly what he suggested they do. Storms, my friends, come upon the guilty and the innocent. The reading in Job, read the book of Job. You'll get a good dose of that. Sometimes, though, the storms come into our lives not because we're doing something wrong, but we're doing everything right, the best of our ability. There was once a rich Texas oil tycoon who had one of his best oil wells catch on fire. And that fire was costing him a fortune. So the man called all the largest fire departments anywhere around, and he offered them a $25,000 award if they could come out and put this fire out. Many of those large fire departments came. But they failed to put out the fire because they all came up to the site, and they would stop back hundreds of yards from where the inferno was and try to douse it with water. But then all of a sudden, this little volunteer fire truck from a small town nearby came up and went racing by all those larger fire trucks right up to where the fire was. With only a small amount of water and some sand, they jumped out in panic and threw everything they had, and the flames went out. Well, the owner of the oil well was overjoyed. He ran up to him and said, well, thanks, man. I can't thank you enough. And he asked him, well, what are you going to do with this large reward I'm going to give you? The chief calmly said, the first thing I'm going to do is fix the brakes on this truck. (laughs) Sometimes, sometimes, friends, we are thrown into the storm by no fault of our own. As the disciples' boat that night was filling up with water, they began filling with worry. And verse 38 says, But he, being Jesus, was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care if we perish? And by the way, I'll go ahead and point it out. It's the only place you'll see Jesus sleeping on the job if you want to place a reference right there where it's at. <laughs> but as we know, he was right where he was supposed to be. But how could Jesus be asleep and at peace when his disciples were right there in the boat going to pieces in his presence? Because Jesus, Jesus remembered something they had forgot. Jesus remembered that they were right where God wanted them to be. And the disciples had forgotten that Jesus was in the boat with them. Friends, with God there is no panic. With God there's only plans and purposes. The disciples needed a faith lesson. And they needed it that night in that storm. And we need to learn from it too. We need not fear when Jesus is near with us. We need to what do we need to do? Trust in Jesus. Folks, we're safe in the storm as long as Jesus is in the boat with us. 
many years ago. Phil will remember this guy well. I was up on Lake Erie with a co-worker. His name was Randy. God rest his soul. And Randy and I used to do a lot of tournament fishing on Lake Erie. And both of us were very experienced on that lake and as boaters. And Randy, I should point out, was a fearless man. In fact, he was a hero. He was highly decorated war hero in Vietnam. He received the Bronze Star and two Purple Hearts by leading a special elite, special forces unit in Vietnam. He was also a big guy, I should point out. He's like Jim's size. He's a big guy. But on this day, we were up there fishing, and we were caught offshore about two or three miles in a bass tournament, and there was over 100 boats in this thing. And I should point out right here, if you're not familiar with it, Lake Erie is known for its violent storms. It's all about the wind direction up there. You can have a fairly decent day with a couple of foot swells. The wind switches from the northwest or from the northeast or from the southwest, and it can blow up 25-foot waves, I mean, in no time at all. And that's exactly what happened on this day. In fact, it's a lot like the Sea of Galilee. It's a relatively shallow lake as well, so it doesn't take long to really get those waves up, and, and that's what we were experiencing that day. And we were out there with hundreds of other boats, and, and I can tell you right now, many of them capsized that day, and one guy drowned. That's how serious the storm was. And it was absolutely terrifying. And in fact, it began to occur to me, you know something? We're going to probably lose this boat. <laughs> we may not get back at all. But by the grace of God, not anything we did, we didn't capsize. And after many long hours, we finally limped back to Port Clinton. And after we got there and we started to put that boat on the trailer, I told him, I said, you know something, man? I was absolutely terrified out there. I didn't think we were going to get back to this spot right here. And I looked at him. I said, were you afraid, Randy? And he looked me in the eye, and he said, I never had a doubt. Jesus was in the boat. And I looked back, and I said, well, Randy, if you think I was Jesus in that boat with you, bro, <laughs> I got bad news for you, man. If you'd have gone over, I'd have still been in that boat because I couldn't have got you out of that water. But what he did when he told me that is he started a conversation that we had never had, and I'd known him for decades. Phil knows him that well. Randy had never mentioned his faith around me before. So I asked him, I said, hey, man, when did, uh, when did you come to faith? When did you put Jesus in your boat? He said, in 1969, when I stepped into the jungles of Vietnam, I put Jesus in my boat, and he's been in my presence ever since. Friends, our safety isn't the absence of storms. It's the presence of Jesus the presence of Jesus. So when you're buffeted by a tornado of trouble of a hurricane of hurt in this world, remember that Jesus is in the boat with you. And we can find peace, listen to me, we can find peace in His presence. Let's pick it up at verse 39 where Jesus displays His power over the forces of nature. When He arose, Jesus, He rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. Two supernatural events occurred in that moment. One of them was the calming of the wind. The other one that I think probably is even more impressive to me personally, and spent a lot of time on the water, is that the sea calmed. Let me tell you something. <laughs> when Lake Erie got all 
bad like it was that day, it takes hours, maybe even a day or so, before the lake calms back down. It rolls and boils for hours, doesn't it, Jim? That's what happens. But Jesus calmed it instantly. Jesus calmed it the same way that we heard the psalmist say in Psalm 107 today. He calms the storm so that its waves are still. Take notice here in this passage today, though. Jesus didn't keep the storm from striking the boat. But he did keep the boat from sinking. When Jesus told them, let us cross over, he didn't promise them a smooth trip. He doesn't promise us a smooth trip either. But he did guarantee the crossing. Jesus may not always calm our storms, but he can calm us in the storm. He may not calm it, but he can calm us. The purpose of this first perfect storm and its life's lesson is found in verse 40. He, Jesus, asked him, Why are you afraid? Have you no faith? Friends, <laughs> the perfect storm became the perfect place lesson at that moment. And the disciples and each one of us today need it because we got storms before us, don't we? Every time we face the storms of life, we have a choice. We can face it with fear or we can face it with faith. The choice is ours. It's quite simple. The difference is fear looks at the storm and faith looks at the Savior. Fear looks at the storm and faith looks at the Savior. You see, the greatest danger of the disciples wasn't that storm. It was their fear. So Jesus rebuked his disciples for their lack of faith. After all, just think for a moment what they had witnessed. In the chapters prior to this, they had seen countless miracles. They feared, listen to me, they feared because they forgot. We often forget, don't we, when we get into a storm. We forget what Jesus can do. Friends, we need not fear when Jesus is near. When Jesus asked him, how is it you have no faith? He was asking, how is it, after witnessing all you have seen, how is it you could have no faith? Let me make a promise to you. He's going to make the same question to you when you hit the storm. He's going to ask us, how is it you have no faith? So look back and remember what Jesus has done in the past. God allows occasional storms to come in our lives to grow our faith and to equip us and to enable us in new ways to better serve and to glorify Him. The truth is, we need to encounter occasional storms in this life. The storms teach us to rest in Jesus' presence. They teach us to rely on His power. And they teach us to remember His promises. That, my friends, is what grows our faith and our trust in Jesus. There's one thing I can say with all certainty. You're either in the middle of the storm right now, you just came out of a storm, or you're about to go into a storm. That's what this side looks like. So the next time a storm hits you unexpectedly, and your world starts to spin all around you, and the water starts rising, 
Look back and remember to trust in Jesus. It's that simple. But it's not that simple when we're in the middle of the storm, is it? I want to close today with this beautiful Father's Day illustration. It's a true story. On December 7th, 1988, a massive earthquake hit Armenia. It killed more than 40,000 people and it maimed and hurt over 130,000 others. Moments after the quake stopped, the father of a young boy raced to his son's elementary school. When he arrived, he saw that the school had been leveled. And looking at that mass of rubble, his heart sank. But then he remembered. He remembered a promise that he'd made to his young son Armand just the day before. He said, son, no matter what happens, I'll be there for you. Never said that. Driven by that promise and empowered by the Holy Spirit, he found the area closest to his son's class and began removing rubble piece by piece. Other parents soon arrived, sobbing for their children. First responders encouraged him to go home, saying there's nothing else we can do. But the boy's father wouldn't stop. And for the next 36 hours, he dug till his hands were bloody and raw. But he refused to quit. Then finally, after 38 hours, he pulled back a slab of concrete and he heard a faint voice. He called his son's name, Armand, Armand. And his son answered, Dad, it's me. The boy then said these words that his father never forgot. Dad, I told the others not to worry. I told them you would save us because you promised me, Dad, to never leave me. You promised no matter what, you would always be there for me. Friends, our Heavenly Fathers make promises like that to us. And we probably all made them. And we recognize them today for all they've done in our lives. But our Heavenly Father makes that promise and can stand behind it. Our Heavenly Father promises us the very same thing. So when the storms of this life overpower you, trust in Jesus. Rest in His presence. Rely on His power. And remember His promises. All of them are tried and proven. When we put Jesus in our boat and trust in Him, my friends, we will make it to the other side. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. <clears throat>